Clyde, my horoscope today is to make myself as big as possible. Someone appreciates the way you handle situations right now. They want to learn from you. Teaching someone is a good way to test your knowledge. You'll see the payoff. R.I.P. the Virgo girlies, but welcome back to Survivor Analytics, the show where we talk about how to be good at Survivor and how not to be good at Survivor. I'm the voice of the people. My name is Jack. With me, as always, is the true expert. Say hi, Clyde. What's your star sign? Say that as you introduce yourself. What's up, party people? I'm Clyde. Uh, I have no clue what my star sign is. Are you asking for my astrological sign? Is that the same thing? I I think they're they're pretty close. I'm the fish. I'm, I'm a Pisces. You're a Pisces? I'm yeah. a Cancer. I'm a crab. Oh, look at that. Yeah. We're both aquatic. But I think the Virgo girlies ended last week, right? When Kelly went home. Wasn't she a Virgo girly? There are, there's no more Virgo girlies. I'm not counting Katura. Well, Katura is a Virgo girly. It's really that group of three. Kendra yeah. was the head of that alliance, though. So yeah. you really cut the head of the snake off with this episode. The head of the goat. That's what Virgos are, I think. Oh, okay. I was confused because in Survivor, people will call contestants goats when you can drag them to the end and easily beat them, which honestly might apply to Kendra. Big takeaway I have from this week, episode nine, Please. Survivor 45. Ariba members winning, right? I think this week cemented the fact that a Bello contestant will not win the game. Whoa, 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 whoa. I, okay, here's the other thing, though. I told you before this week's episode, that if Bruce didn't go home, I was going to go pro Bruce. But you don't actually believe this. I think Bruce might be winning this season. No, you don't. Bruce has two immunity wins. He has two immunity idols. No, he has one immunity idol. I was th- I got him and Austin confused. He has two immunity wins. He's got an idol. Uh, he's just discovered what toxic masculinity is. I think Bruce could go all the way. You genuinely think that? No, but I said I'd do it. And so I have yeah. to say it again here. Yeah, I do think the odds are in a Reba member's favor. Uh, unless the jury gets sacked with Bellow members and Emily makes it to the end. I think that's a potentially viable situation for her. That's possible. I just felt like this was the week where the Bellow members kind of gave up on themselves. One by one, I feel like we saw each of those contestants fold to the Reba majority and yeah. basically tell them, I'll vote any way that you want me to. Yeah, they're all free agents. Uh, to continue the, we have a lot of NBA comparisons on this season, yeah. I feel like, between Caleb and Jake. It really does seem like there is one alliance and then a whole bunch of people who know each other. It's a little bit frustrating to watch, to be honest. Like, the numbers were in place this week to flip on a Reba contestant. Well, actually, no, because Emily lost her vote. The numbers were really never there because of the BS twist that we'll get into later. So many twists. So many twists. Yeah, that's the other big takeaway from this week is that production is keeping their foot on the gas pedal. I thought once we got past the final 10, like in Survivor 44, we would go back to a normal season of Survivor. This one is not like that. Um, I'm expecting contestants to to lose votes at every tribal council moving forward. I don't think we're going to have a straight up vote from now until the end of the game. I think we're going to get to the final tribal and there's going to be a twist where the jury members have to compete a, complete a challenge in order to have their vote for the final tribal. You would not be surprised to learn that in the past there was an advantage called a juror removal where at final tribal council, if you made it there, you can remove one person from the jury. Like they leave the actual final tribal and they can't vote for a winner. That's insane. That seems very in line with the theme of this season. I felt like Season 44, the theme was overcoming obstacles, being the underdog like the Tika 3. And season 45, the main lesson is lose your vote. No, actually, I think you're right. We haven't even started to talk about this episode, though, so let's get into it and and get frustrated. Yeah. Um, My only early episode note is, hi, I'm Jake. I'm still on Survivor. I had to write that down. Jake's just happy to be there. He seems pretty honest in his game he admits that he had no clue that the kelly plan was even in place which to be fair we all knew that from his reaction last week yeah where he goes whoa with kelly sitting two feet away but yeah we get that scene from jake jake gets a lot of screen time in the show i'll say that i mean i think the people love jake because i mean um his accent friend of the show alexis sent us a fan cam Somebody made like a a fan edit of Jake. I think there's a chance Jake makes a deep run. I don't think he's winning, but I think Jake has zero vote finalist potential. 
right now, just based on the edit. I think Jake has zero vote finalist potential. I think Jake has... Jake doesn't have winning potential, unfortunately. I think he's been too out of the loop on too much so far. But I do think Jake is the most guaranteed returnee at this point. Oh, okay. At the end of the season, we'll recap uh, returnee chances because I'm I go back and forth on Jake. Another big event after the Kelly elimination is Bruce. He's mad because he essentially realized that if he did not win individual immunity, he probably would have been the target of that vote. Right. And then there's a comment made to him by one of the Reba members. I don't remember who it was. I didn't write down who it was. They tell Bruce that Kelly was gunning for him, and she described him as overbearing. And this cuts deep for Bruce. This is the most broken we've seen anybody on this season. Bruce takes this uh, secondhand insult like Matthew took a dislocated shoulder. <laughs> like, on, on 44. We get this montage of sad Bruce reckoning with his toxic masculinity. He, um, he sleeps on the beach with his buff over his face like he's in mourning. He's reckoning with the concept that he could even be overbearing. It seems that nobody has ever said that to him. And he, he goes through this spiral of, wait a minute, if I'm treating Kelly like that, and I thought I was treating Kelly like I treat my own kids... How am I treating my kids? Yeah. Right? It felt like a narrative arc. They're trying to make give him a hero's journey where he learns about emotional intelligence. Uh, yeah, well, Emily had that back in episode three, and she's completed her character growth, so now it's Bruce's turn to become a new person on the island. Well, maybe that's the theme of this season, is that there's always twists, and yes, they are to the detriment of gameplay, but we teach people how to love. Yeah, we teach them how to be good people in three days. It's an interesting choice to kind of pacify Bruce, and I think it's effective to to throw Kelly under the bus because, yes, Kelly had those issues with Bruce, but she wasn't the main one gunning for him, right? That was Yeah, a, everybody was. Yeah, and so I I liked this move, and then it turns into Bruce in a music r&b music video from the 2000s where he's walking on the beach staring at the sunset <laughs> and uh i i almost felt bad for him and then i remembered it's entirely his fault and the reason that this seems believable to him is that it is true i was surprised that he believed the reba members to begin with like they have the most incentive to lie to bruce in that situation given that they just took out his number one ally right when Bruce has this entire meltdown, he talks about his background, like growing up in the foster care system and how that affected his ability to trust people. And they show a photo of baby oh, Bruce. Yeah. And I wrote down, he had hair? In my <laughs> mind, he's been perpetually bald from age z zero to age 46. Yeah. He's only 46? Uh, 46, sir. Let me check right now. Yeah. He's 46. Kelly is 29. How did you checked that there. If you're listening at home, there was no pause there. Clyde seemed to switch tabs to his list of survivor ages. Well, I have the Wikipedia page open just in case we need it for the episode. Uh, that was impressive. Yeah, but Kelly's 29 for perspective. So I think this actually speaks a lot to Kelly's social game where Bruce is this devastated over losing her approval. And I think it, it especially when Kelly wasn't crazy about Bruce. She wasn't putting in a ton of work. Yeah. She just like kept that relationship going with, uh-huh, sure, Bruce. Yeah. It, it was enough. It seems like she did a great job of keeping that facade. Kendra is also devastated that Kelly went home. Yeah. Ke Kendra describes Kelly as her best friend, and I don't remember a single meaningful moment that the two of them shared on, on this season. I think that this was a one-way situation, and here's why. When we get to tonight's tribal... Kendra spends a long time talking to Jeff about how she was blindsided, and she kind of makes Kelly's blindside about her a little bit, but also we get a couple cutaways. Kendra is very upset about the Kelly blindside still. We get a reaction, like a cut over to Kelly. I don't think they're that tight. I think that's entirely uh, a Kendra thing, that Kelly's like, oh, okay. I don't think it's... <laughs> 
like I think they got along fine, but for her to be like, she's my best friend. I love that Kelly keeps stumbling her way into these uh, relationships where the other person adores her and she doesn't care that much about them. Like it happened with Bruce and with Kendra. She's on this island trying to be the villain and all of a sudden everyone's like, oh, we love Kelly. (laughs) (laughs) The other thing we get in the first night, and I think this sets a tone that we've already referred to, is Kendra and Katura have a conversation about going after D the night of, right? The night of the previous tribal council. And Katura gets up from that conversation, walks to the Reba members and says, Kendra's after D and flips instantly. And I think from that moment on, the tone is set. There is one alliance on the season and everyone else is trying to be a part of it, which is not a good look. It makes no sense to me. I don't understand what Katura's long-term plan is right now. I feel like most of the time when we talk about Katura, we talk about her relationship with Bruce and how they're constantly gunning for each other. Yeah. But I'm not sure where Katura thinks her long-term path is to the final tribal council. Like, is her strategy now to, like, weasel her way into Reba? I can't see anybody's long-term strategy except for the Reba members, and even then I only see Julie doesn't have a plan. Because Julie's plan, she says later in this episode, is ride or die with D. She will lose to D at the final tribal council if she wants. And she wants that. I feel like Julie's perception of herself and her stock in the game is very skewed. I think at this state in the game, uh, at this time in the game, I mean, there are three people on this island with a viable and actual plan to go to the end, and that's D, Austin, and Drew. Emily is on the outside trying to be a a Reba. So is Katura. So is Jake. He's a free agent. Bruce has no friends. Julie (laughs) wants to go to the end with D and might, and then she'll lose, and that's fine, but that's not a a viable strategy. It really is like there's a cool kid's table, and everyone wants that last seat when there's enough non-cool kids to win. Like there's enough non-cool kids to break it up. So I want to move on to... Uh, we start to find out a little bit more. They're really dancing around the showmance. But we get uh, a little bit of the Drew, not Drew, sorry, the Austin-Emily. I'm getting all the names wrong. The Austin-D showmance. And we get a delightful shot of Emily sitting awkwardly on the log between them. Did you note this at all? No. We, we get so many shots of D grinning up at Austin like, I think I texted you this, like his butt is made of immunity idols, right? She is into him, clearly. I They clearly have a vibe. That's great. Good for them. And we get this shot of Emily sitting between them that I just cracked up about because it's Emily, her naturally awkward self between these two people who are clearly attracted to each other, and she's just like a barrier. But it'll be interesting to see what happens with that because... We don't hear from D's side, but from Austin's side, he knows D would win. He knows D would win, and he seems reluctant to take the shot at D. He's given an opportunity uh, later in the, in the episode to potentially flip on her, and he doesn't seem willing to do it. So this is huge for D because she has a lot of winning stock, and the guy with two idols is hesitant to vote her out. So yet another great facet of her play. But that's all I have before the the grouping up. Do you have anything else? I think that's just about everything I, I have. So we get tree mail. Mail. I can't <laughs> talk today, man. Uh, we get tree mail, and it's another twist, but not a crazy twist. I was worried that the splitting into three was going to be like some insane thing where it ends up being three micro-tribals or something. Oh, that right? would be terrible. You can't run a tribal with three people. This season has conditioned me to expect such insanity that that's where I thought it was going. But it turns out it's just going to be uh, a a multi-stage challenge where you work together as a group and then groups are eliminated and then it turns individual at the end for the final three. How did you like the grouping up? Because Drew seems to take the most initiative and it doesn't work out for him, but he does kind of form the team he wants to form. So we've got Drew gets himself with Jake and D, which I think is a fine try. Yep, he positions himself in the majority there with two Reba, one Bellow. And he says, 
let's group up one of the strongest men, one of the strongest women, and one of the weaklings. And he categorizes himself as a weakling, which I appreciated. That's that's a good <laughs> Well, like that that sounds like a dig. That was a good level of positioning uh, for himself yeah. subtly. Uh we've got so Drew J D, Katura, Austin, Emily, Julie, Bruce, Kendra. And they're worried that who knows what's going to happen. Austin gives one of his idols to Julie before they head off to the challenge. Yeah. And I don't think we ever get a scene of Julie handing it back to him, right? No. So I'm under the impression now that Julie still holds that idol. So I believe that they include segments like this for a reason in the show. And there's really only two reasons. One is that Julie has the idol. And two is that production is trying to portray Reba as this like impenetrable alliance right and i think by including segments like that it will make more sense if reba picks off all of the bellow members one by one we go to the challenge and it's a three-stage immunity and reward challenge yeah and it sucks it's bad it's (laughs) okay okay so let me describe it and then i want you to tell me why it's bad three stages uh, at each stage, a group is eliminated, and the final stage is individual. So the whatever trio makes it to the end, first stage is a balance thing. Last team out loses. Um, and here, as I t- describe them, I'll just describe who loses. Emily Austin and Katura in that first group uh, blow a huge lead and are out. Second stage, build a rope bridge. At that stage, the Drew, Jake, D tribe is eliminated. Bruce, Julie, and Kendra go to stage three, which is a great bit of endurance. Is this our third straight challenge with an endurance kind of discomfort hold a position for as long as you can thing? I think it is. I think so. Yeah, because we had holding on to the pole. And then the weight. Yeah, last week was the weight, and then this one's the finger one. And so this is the finger thing where you're doing a T-pose basically with discs that you're pressing up against things and it's intense jeff tells the viewer that a man has never won this challenge they've run it twice before that endurance challenge and it comes down to bruce versus julie and bruce wins his second straight immunity win yeah bruce versus julie round two i want to give a little shout out to julie here though Remember back in 44 where we gave a lot of credit to Danny for being the constant uh, silver medalist of the season? Yes. It seems like Julie is inspired by Danny and is following in his legacy right now with back-to-back second-place finishes. Final thing is the twist. Because now we do have a twist. The final three, so Julie, Kendra, Bruce, get to go to Sanctuary where good things happen and eat a rotisserie chicken, which they didn't even get like a Costco sponsorship. I wrote that down too. This was the perfect opportunity <laughs> for a Costco sponsorship. And uh, they get real excited about this rotisserie chicken. I want to throw something out with the Survivor Sanctuary because I think we've both been pretty anti-sanctuary, right? Yeah. Especially compared to the rewards in previous seasons. But one common survivorism that Jeff always says is want to know what you're playing for. We need to cut that phrase out of the show entirely because the answer is always the survivor sanctuary. Like why even bother asking the question if there's never a different reward on the show? It's going to be go to sanctuary and a good thing will happen to you. The other part of the twist is the first three out. So Emily, Austin, and Katura lose their votes, of course, and will have to play a challenge to try and get their votes back individually is this why you didn't like it It, or is it just the losing votes or is there something else you didn't like it's the losing votes i like that they included a second opportunity for the contestants to earn their votes back i think that is a positive of this twist yeah but i don't understand why we're taking votes out of the game it makes no sense to me and it adds another level of strategy in the game where If I was one of the Bellow contestants and I was in a group of three of me and two Reba, you're essentially incentivized to throw the challenge and lose on purpose to get last to try to cut those Reba votes out of the upcoming tribal. Right. In that group of three that loses, that was uh, Emily, Katura, and Austin. Yeah. 
that could have been potentially detrimental to Reba, where they lose two votes. And if Katura keeps her, then there's an actual flip in the game. So I don't like these twists where you're incentivizing contestants to lose in a challenge. Right. Because we could have had a situation where you have one group of two Bellows and one group of two Rebas, and each group has a contestant that's trying to throw it. Like, what do you do in that situation? If you're just <laughs> throwing the basketball and knocking the other ones off on purpose? Like, yeah, the winning group is already sitting down there waiting, and you're just competing for last. That's my main reason why I don't like it, is that it takes out votes at the final nine, which feels really late in the game, to potentially be eliminating three votes. Like, a third of the votes at the Tribal Council could be gone. And the twist itself doesn't even pay out. If the whole idea behind this twist is that we want to shake things up to potentially shift the pendulum of power in the game, the twist fails to do that. Because even after all of the shenanigans with this twist, Reba still has the numbers advantage. I was so irritated when it was, you will lose your votes. Have we had a full vote in the merge? No, the merge happened at final 13. And we had Merchatory at Final 13, Split Tribal Council at Final 12, Final 11, Survivor Auction at Final 10, where Bruce loses his vote, and now the Math Problem, Final 9. It, it's too much. It's too much. But So Bruce wins, second straight immunity. Bruce is going to win the season. Uh, that's the official stance of Survivor Analytics. I think that's his path to winning right now. Challenge Beast. Is win every remaining challenge except one where he plays his idol and i'll say this i think he could do it uh it's gonna be tough if he takes out austin and d then he's got a good shot at bulldozing from there yeah. but with those two players on the castle it's gonna be difficult so moving on um which trio do you want to talk about first do you want to talk losers me mediocrity or winners let's roll with the second placers is who i had first so uh, the middle group go back to camp and they make some rice and Drew and D eat all of it, basically. And sure, Jake. Yeah. Dick dick move. I liked this, actually. Of course you did. I like some tension on the cast. And I think the edit is now actively portraying Reba as this villainous majority. And they are talking about going after Kendra. And Drew starts to float some ideas for how to play idols. And let me say this. I like it. I'm not crazy about Drew and his role on this show as the clippy of Survivor explaining <laughs> everything to the viewer who's not paying attention. But I like these little moments of gameplay we get from him saying, oh, the um, what's what does he say? The weaklings. He calls himself a weakling. He's playing a subtle game. He's next to Austin with these idols and he starts to just float quietly just D like a double idol play to flush out other stuff and blindside somebody right he's floating ideas that will benefit his alliance but more specifically weaken like benefit them short term and benefit him long term yeah by flushing Austin's idol and Bruce's idol in the process because it's act he's saying let's flush Bruce's idol by using Austin's. Yeah. And so uh, I like that a lot. I think that's a good look. I think the whole rice scene is the one shining light for the Bellow members. How so? If a Bellow member reaches the end with some Rebas, maybe they could win based off being the underdog. And the edit kind of plays into that storyline if you have the dominant group perceived as a, as a villain. So you're saying that that's the foreshadowing of this is how you could win is by winning out against these two villains who have eaten all of Jake's food. Yeah, obviously this can't be the only villainous act on their resume, but it's one of them that could build up over time. I also think this plays into my theory that Drew is losing Final Four fire making. I've said this from the beginning of the season when at his first confessional, they show him and then random scenes of people making fire, which I feel like was foreshadowing something. Mm, but it seems yeah. like Drew's flaw as a player is more so his perception of other people as individuals he's good at moving the, the pieces on the chessboard and organizing the strategic moves but i wouldn't be surprised if drew either directly challenges or gets put in fire against somebody that he underestimates on a personal level and then he loses yeah i would like to see that i think a jake 
Drew Firemaking Ooh. is in the cards, where the guy that stole his rice ends up losing. That would be really poetic. I'd like to see that. Uh, anything else here? Or do you want to move on to another trio? Yeah, let's go to the Survivor Sanctuary, where good where things, good happen. things happen. It's literally a chicken on the table. Is there a plate? There's no plate. There's no utensils. There's no sauces. It's just a pretty big chicken sitting on the table, and they start tearing into it with their hands, Gollum style. And Julie, Julie seems to be all over the place, is willing, she entertains some flipping motions and seems genuinely interested, and then says in confessional that she wants to go to the end with D. So she seems to be determined to weaken her alliance and then stick with the strongest member of it. Well, I think she was lying to... Kendra and Bruce in that moment. Her intention is to knock out a Bellow member, but her primary target at this stage of the game is Jake. And yeah, this flies right over Kendra and Bruce's head. When they make the pitch to vote out D, Julie shuts it down pretty quickly and says, eh, how about we get rid of one of your numbers instead? And the two of them go, okay, Bruce especially, this makes zero sense to me because Bruce says the old Bellow is no more. I'm going right. to vote out Jake if I need to. And it seems like Bruce is very anti-Jake, and I don't understand why. Jake never voted against Bruce. Jake played his shot in the dark last week, didn't cast a vote, and now Bruce is willing to target him. It's like they had some perceived beef when Jake was working with Caleb. If I'm Bruce, I would be thinking, I'm on the bottom. Everyone wants to vote me out. I'm only here because of immunity wins. And here's another person that's also on the bottom. And there's evidence of that. He plays a shot in the dark because he was so confident that he was going home. Like, Jake right. should be the number one person that Bruce wants to align with. And he's just trying to survive another day. Yeah. Yeah. It's a little, it's a little odd. Last thing at Sanctuary I have is that Kendra has not eaten chicken in 10 years. That was interesting. She's vegetarian or vegan or something and, and gives it up. Yeah. Kedra being vegetarian is the most predictable part of this entire episode. I was about to take a drink, and I'm so glad I didn't. <laughs> you saw that coming from a mile away. You talk to Kedra for a minute, and you know she's vegetarian or vegan. And that's not a good or a bad thing. It's just something that's very obvious about Kendra. And I'll say this. Uh, impressive to keep that up for 10 years. Make it on Survivor. Make it, what are we, 16 days in? Something yeah. like that. Day, day 17, I think. She's 17, 18 days in, somewhere in there. And uh, just now eats chicken for the first time. Probably not worth it looking back at it, though. Giving up that 10-year streak and then get voted out, like, the same day. That's a great point. Julie should have told her right there and said, hey, we're voting you out. Maybe you should keep the streak going a little bit longer. I wonder if chicken tastes good after you go 10 years without it. Maybe I should go 10 years without e eating chicken just to find out. I, I've never gone 10 years without eating something that I can think of. I wonder what that's like to go so long without such a basic staple and then try it again. Yeah, there's probably random things I haven't eaten in 10 years, but I doubt that they would show up at the Survivor Sanctuary. It'd be funny if Katara was like, oh man, I haven't had fish eyes in 10 years. <laughs> okay. Do you want to go to the losers? Yeah. And I like this challenge. I like this challenge. It's the usual three paths. Go do your own challenge. Um... And it's a puzzle where you have digits from nine counting down to zero. And you can put three plus signs and one minus sign among the digits to make the operation equal 100. I wanted to do this myself. I'll say this. If I wasn't taking notes and watching the show and I ended up seeing a spoiler for the challenge, I wanted to do the problem because I like stuff like this. Is this... A logic problem? This is just a math problem, right? They they call it a logic puzzle. It is just math. It's a little bit of a tricky... There's a little logic required to go, okay, well, I need to... Uh, what you end up doing is you do 98 minus 76, and then you do the addition from there. I would clean up in this challenge. I'll oh, yeah? admit there's a lot of survivor challenges I'd be terrible at. If I walked in and they had a math problem set up, I'm putting all my chips on the board. I'll risk all my votes on the... <laughs> on the math problem i also thought it was funny because back in survivor china they had a challenge that was essentially like a history or uh geography quiz yeah the chinese history one yeah, yeah. 
and I made a joke that we need to run through all the school subjects. And here we are in 45. We have uh, history checked off. We got math checked off. So we still need to cover some science and English. So maybe the next journey will be a vocab quiz. That would be wild. Katura fails. Emily fails, which is notable to me because her whole thing is numbers. When I saw the challenge, I thought Emily's going to clean up on this one. I thought Emily was not even going to blink. She was just going to one, two, three, four, put all this and be done. Close it up. Yeah. Like that was wild. And Austin, who's, I guess, in school for his MBA, succeeds. Good for him. Yeah, not your typical meat boy. I really appreciated that little subversion of the uh, of the prototype or of the the, the archetype. Prototype archetype. Thank you. And then I I have to digress for just a second. Commercial break here. We get a commercial for the Amazing Race. I have never seen the Amazing Race in my life because I don't watch this kind of TV. I am the voice of the people, not the true expert. The Amazing Race looks awesome. This commercial for the episode after Survivor was they go down into this massive cave system and put together a giant 3D puzzle. Oh. Like, that made every puzzle from this season look terrible. Well, they probably don't have math problems, though. That's true, but it was like an awesome setting, a really intricate and cool puzzle where the end result was much neater than, like, anything we've seen on this episode. I I liked that. So whenever the analytics cinematic universe takes off i feel like that should be our next expansion yeah because i've never seen a full season of the amazing race i know there are a couple seasons that feature survivor contestants though yeah good old mike from uh some season the guy who wrote white lotus oh mike white wait he was on amazing race i think so that's crazy okay i didn't know that i think so because i think for some reason i looked up his wikipedia page when we when I watched his season or something. I don't know. But going back to this season of Survivor, <laughs> Austin does not share his vote with the larger group. They all say, oh, we couldn't solve it. And Austin plays along, which I think is kind of swart and basic. Would you ever lie and say that you kept your vote if you lost it? Is it only good to do it in one direction or is the reverse ever beneficial? Well, I think it would have to be something where you can successfully lie. Right, because if they're if it's the three of them, two fails, one success, and the one of the failed people claims to have succeeded, then if somebody says, "Oh, where? What was the solution?" and he doesn't say the correct solution, the person who does know the correct answer, oh, yeah, you can get fact checked, basically. Yeah, that was a roundabout way of explaining that, but sometimes we need a whiteboard on this show, and that's hard to do on a <laughs> podcast. Austin doesn't share. Was that a necessary move, though, for Austin? I feel like it wasn't really that huge of a move at this stage of the game. I I don't think it's a huge move. I think it's just keeping his threat level lower. He's got enough reasons to be a target between his uh, idols and his alliances that he doesn't need to also be like, oh, yeah, and I won this thing that neither of you did. Well, I think he's potentially giving ammunition to people that want to target him later. Like, if Julie or D or Drew want to target Austin and they're making that pitch to other players, they can say, not only does he have the two idols and he's a great challenge beast, but he's a savvy strategist. He lied after the uh, math problem and leaked that and told us that information. We don't see, before Jeff says the final tally, uh, we don't get enough votes to demonstrate that there's seven votes cast. And I think Jeff calls it after four which is the majority for six or seven yeah you're right so he probably got off scratch free then yeah because i I was conscious of that because we've had a couple of things like that this season because so many votes are lost that we have to count (laughs) votes now we're already to the strategy section of this episode but at the same time this one felt cut and dried because the tactics felt so all over the place People saying Jake, people saying Kendra, Julie's all over the place. I I didn't like where Julie's head was at in this post-challenge discussion. Wait, why? Because she is so Jake-focused for some reason. I think we're at a point here. We're at seven, right? Uh, We're at nine. Well, seven votes. Nine people. That's, oh gosh, that's where I'm at. 
if there's nine people left, keeping people like Jake around compared to a Kendra, Jake is going around saying, I'll work with anybody, I'll do whatever. Kendra's holding out. I think Kendra is a better vote now because Kendra could rally the troops. Kendra could bring Katura in. Kendra, I think, has the only shot at bringing Katura and Bruce together to f- take on Reba. I think she's the only one who can salvage that even remotely. So I think at this stage, Kendra was the best choice. But what do you think? So it seems like Julie has developed a relationship with Kendra to some right. extent to the point where she's open to working with her in the long run. So I don't blame Julie for wanting to preserve Kendra here. I'm more upset with Julie for her perception of her position within Reba, where she claims that she wants to take D to the end, yet when she has a disagreement with D on who to vote out here, because D is very much leaning into voting out Kendra because Kendra was throwing her name out earlier in the episode. So when they have a disagreement, Julie essentially folds. She lets D have her way, yet she wants to take her to the end. Like, if you want to take D to the end, that's okay, but you need to have moves on your resume that are going to elevate you above her. And that's not going to happen if you just follow her plan at these different tribal councils. And D's really the head strategist of this Kendra vote. We get scenes of multiple members of that Reba majority saying that they want to target Jake. Like, Emily wants to target Jake, even though she doesn't have a vote, she could still have some sway based on her alliances. Uh, Because Emily is really starting to realize that she's on the bottom of her Drew Austin. Yet, she needs some evidence from the two of them to prove that she's more loyal to Emily than than they are to the other two Reba players. So, on one side, you have Julie targeting Kendra. Jake. On the other side, you had D targeting um, Kendra. And in the middle, you have Austin and Drew. Like, I, I feel like this episode portrays D as the head strategist, which is fair because she's the one that comes up with the plan. But I think the players that are really in the power seat here are Drew and Austin because they could move either way and decide where the, the direction of the vote goes. But the key is that Reba trio could take over the world at this point. It's hard to see cracks in them. I think the cracks will show up when they realize that Austin and Drew don't want to go to the end with D. What's your perception of the Reba power structure? Is it a core three or is it a core four? It's a core three. Julie is not in it, as far as I'm concerned. Really? See, I still see it as two pairs of D, Julie versus Austin, uh, Drew. Yeah, I think the, the difference between them is... Austin and Drew both bring things to the table. Julie brings a vote to the table and Dee does the rest. (laughs) Like, because Julie's one original thought is let's go Jake and that goes away like that. Could she beat any of them, do you think, right now? Or she needs to knock out all three to have a shot? She doesn't have a resume. She's voted correctly with them. That's it. Drew can say, Drew can point to a whole lot of things and say, I did that. Austin can point to a whole lot of things. He did the whole stupid three amulets thing and came out on top of that. Yeah, he didn't even want to do it. Yeah, he wanted a sandwich. <laughs> and he came out on top. We're looking at like a Nikola Jokic-esque game where he's succeeding in ways that he doesn't really care about. Like, he wanted the sandwich. <laughs> Jokic just wants to play with his horses, and instead they're you know ending up at the top of their fields. A Winning trio at this point for Julie would be like like a Julie Katura Bruce. But how can you possibly convince Katura and Bruce right. to go to the end with each other? Right. I think Julie still has a shot though. She'll need to be willing to flip on one yeah. of those Reba contestants. If she just rides with those numbers, then it's not gonna look good. Yeah, if if she did a flip, if she was able to be the one to break up the Reba tribe, right? And do some sort of sneaky move with some of the Bellow members and be like, all right, look, Emily, Katura, and Bruce, you all three get along with each other and do what I say and let's take out Drew or let's take out D. That would be huge and fantastic and and shoot her uh, potential sky high. I also want to say I think a big lesson this season with the story arc of Bruce and Julie is if you go on Survivor, align with the old people. Like, yeah, this sounds a little bit harsh, but I feel like some of the older contestants on these seasons are just a step or two behind 
strategically. Like Bruce is perpetually on the outside. He can't manage his threat level. Julie is unable to identify her position within that alliance. Like if I'm going on the show, I'm going to find the oldest, wrinkliest person on the beach and say, let's work together. Because based on what we've seen, it seems like those older players are the ones that want to form an alliance early in the game and ride with them in the long run. You know, you said this might sound harsh, and then what you said wasn't that harsh until you said oldest, wrinkliest person on the beach, and then it got a... They go hand in hand. What do you mean? <laughs> At the same time, I think we've got these, we, these two players who... The oldest members on the beach were the finalists in the challenge today, right? So it's not a question of physical ability and age. It's a question of mentality. And we see Bruce playing old school survivor. You ride with me or you're out. Uh, you see Julie with very little understanding and saying, I want to go with D to the end. I'd be curious, and maybe you know this off the top of your head because you, you know things. What's Julie's favorite season of the show? Because my guess would be a top, an original 10 season. It's actually not. So, oh, her favorite season. I know this off the top of my head, which is pretty absurd from the preseason interviews. Yeah. Her favorite season is Survivor Second Chance, which is season 31. It's a very dynamic, uh, strategic season. And I think Julie likes that one, not because of the strategy, but because of the message of Second Chances, where... She made a connection to that season of the show and her starting this new chapter in her life. Right. I remember that, actually. Yeah. So she, it's like she took the wrong lesson from it. Or not the wrong lesson, but not all of the right lessons. She didn't take the lesson that would actually translate to good gameplay. Yeah. She took the lesson, the life lesson, not the survivor lesson. But Bruce is all about the life lessons, too. So that's one thing that they share in common. Yeah. All I'm saying now is that I think if you take Bruce, Julie and a third contestant, whoever's in that third spot, I think would win the season right now. I think you're right too. But except for the fact that Bruce is obviously going to win the season. Oh, well, yeah. Yeah. Let's go to tribal. Uh, Let's go to tribal. Uh, Caleb observes when everybody walks in, Bruce has been safe 16 out of 17 days on the island. That's perfect for you. This is your ideal survivor contestant, the one that constantly wins immunities. Listen, I mean, Bruce is doing, Bruce is playing for the, type of game that I wanted when we first started this podcast, right? He's playing the version of Survivor that I thought was good originally. Wait, you no longer think that? I now recognize that you can't just do that, right? And wow. I recognize there are some flaws in his gameplay. Jack, this warms my heart. Oh my God, it only took me an entire year <laughs> to convince you to devalue challenges. No, 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 no. The challenges are still incredibly important. What I'm saying is that if Bruce could do everything he's doing with challenges and actually manage to speak to people in a tactical and diplomatic way, he would be my perfect survivor player. But because he's such a, like, he's so oh, overbearing. And like, yeah, one-dimensional with his yeah. game. Uh, if, if he wasn't just challenges and ride or die, then I would have a bit more of a appreciation for him. Yeah, I was just going to say, speaking of Bruce, he says in this tribal council that he wants players to cheer for him in challenges. He actually mimics what he thought people would sound like when they cheer for him. I thought this was hilarious because most of the time when Bruce is competing in challenges, we actually get scenes of the contestants on the bench whispering to each other and actively rooting against him. Right. (laughs) And I think he must know that because this was a challenge, right, where he's doing the T-pose for... 10 minutes or whatever it was, probably not even that long, but you're not doing anything. It's mostly quiet except for Jeff yelling things at you. You're probably aware of the lack of support you're getting. Oh, there's for probably sure. some, you know, there's somebody going, go Kendra, go Julie, and nobody's saying go Bruce. I think he's absolutely sensitive to that. We get a couple other things in here. Uh, Kendra discovers that you can lie on Survivor when Jeff points yeah. out that maybe the uh, missing boats weren't actually missing on this or won't actually be missing. Yeah, it was ridiculous. That blows her mind. When when she said that, I just sighed really loudly watching the TV. That's the moment where I was like, oh, she's gone. Like, <laughs> like that didn't occur to her at all. It just adds to the entire reputation of the Bellow tribe 
as this group of poor strategists. Like, I don't know who was the second best contestant on Bellow. Like, Kelly was obviously number one, and it's tough pickings right now for number two. Well, it's Bruce. He's won two challenges. Oh, yeah, yeah, of course. I mean, like, based on where they stand in the game right now, it is Bruce. Oh, I don't think so. I th- <laughs> no, 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 no. Because you look at look at their resumes right now, it's Bruce. Oh, okay. I think it's Bruce because he's actually led a vote. He did lead the the initial Caleb vote, even though it failed with Caleb shot in the dark. But He's led a vote, and he's been immune. That's more than anything Kendra's done or Katura. I don't think either of them have really taken a head on a vote this season. Because Katura's resume, the only thing that she could have on it is leading a vote against Bruce, and she hasn't succeeded. Yeah. Um, and so, uh, we get a, another round of at tribal Jake essentially begging for his life and saying, <laughs> Hey, I'm a free agent. I'll do whatever you want. Yeah. The weekly ritual of Jake begging to stay on the yeah. island. And, uh, then when we go to the vote, I just want to highlight this. When Emily walks in and sees you cannot vote, return to your seat. She has a very funny reaction that I actually really appreciated. Did you notice this? No. She walks in and reads it and goes, oh, no, and, like, kind of waves her hands in, like, a mime of, like, (laughs) being afraid. It was really – Emily got a lot of shit at the beginning of the season and deserved it because she just wasn't playing well. This was, like, the most good-natured – I really appreciated this from Emily. I thought it was sweet. I thought it was just a nice little moment. It's been a 180 for Emily. Like, I genuinely felt bad for her when she was working on the math problem and struggling. Oh, yeah. I was rooting for her downfall earlier in this podcast, right? Uh, And we've made it, what is this, episode nine? We're two months in, and now I'm like, I kind of like Emily. If Emily won, at this point, I would be satisfied with that win. Which is crazy. It's crazy. If If Emily wins, I don't know how I can possibly evaluate her as a winner, um, I was actually talking to my dad about this uh, on Thanksgiving. Friend of the pod. Friend of the pod, my dad. But Emily's one of those contestants where I have no clue how to assess her because she almost went home episode one. Yeah. If Hannah doesn't quit at that first tribal council, the contestants that have been voted out said that Emily was the target. Yeah. So, like, how could I possibly balance somebody that's turned their game around and now is a member of the Reba majority, but simultaneously... Almost went home at the first tribal council the whole season. Yeah. Like, she'll need to fall somewhere in the middle. I think Emily can't be a top three player here because she was saved by someone else's emotional breakdown. That's true. I mean, yeah. But the voting result. No idols. No idols. No shots in the dark. No idols played. We get six votes on Kendra, one on Jake. As the votes are being read aloud, Jake turns his body and stares Kendra down. Did you notice this? I noticed this. This was like, felt like... Technical foul, unsportsmanlike conduct. Like, come on, man. (laughs) Two tribal councils in a row where Jake has no issue just burning the bridge right before people go to the jury. Yeah, because let's be honest, the odds that Jake ends up in the room next to them in Ponderosa in about a week, non-zero. And that's going to be pretty awkward. But even then, like, these are potential jury votes for Jake. He's known Kendra since day one. He knew Kelly since day one. Why are you making a show out of them right before they go to the jury. Like, I don't think he gets either of their jury votes now. Well, the Kelly one, while not a good look at all, I'm willing to give him a little sliver of, okay, I understand why you did that, because he was convinced he was going home. Yeah, it's the genuine shock. And it was genuine shock. This one was like, Jake is a villain trying to be like, yeah, don't, like, screw with me. Get out of here. He's also taking credit for a move that he wasn't... Absolutely, he just went along with. Yeah, he was on the periphery of that plan. So it seems like he's presenting himself as the strategist when he was kind of thrown into it. They didn't even need him as a number. Yeah, that was a little odd. Goodbye to Kendra. My epitaph that I came up with was, R.I.P. Kendra, it was not written in the stars. I like that. That's yeah. nice. That's very good. Overall with Kendra, hate to say it, but someone that didn't have a large impact on the season from beginning to end. She is left out of the plan at the tribe swap. She's left out of the Kelly boot, and then she gets sent home. So yeah, 
I thought she was a fun presence to have, uh, definitely a more eccentric character on the cast, but I don't think we're going to see her again. I think you're probably right. I think that, um, I mean, the hard part with Kelly and Kendra was because of the absolute shit show that was Lulu for the first month, right? We didn't get to know these Bellow members very much for a long time. And and when we did see Bellow, it was Katura and Bruce and a little bit of Jake. And Kelly and Kendra were kind of left out of the edit for a long time. And then eventually, Kelly started to show up more because of Bruce. Uh, and right as Kelly was starting to have more of an influence, she got out. Kendra, the only time she ever got much screen time was because of her kind of quirkiness and antics. And she didn't get to have an impact that I think she would have liked to have. Yeah. I'll say this. I think Kendra can potentially get the call if uh, Carolyn turns down Survivor production for a return. If they're looking for the quirky older woman archetype and Carolyn says, nah, I'm good, then Kendra's probably on that list. Carolyn would never. We don't know. Life happens. If something's going on in Carolyn's life and she can't make it to the island and production says, oh, we need a Kirkland brand Carolyn. Oh, let's call up Kendra. We we need a Kirkland brand uh Hey, this is Survivor 46, sponsored by Costco. We have rotisserie chickens at every reward, and we have the discount version of every favorite uh, <laughs> returning character. Thanks. We have Kendra instead of Carolyn. We have Drew instead of Carson. We have... Uh, I don't think Drew is a full discount. I think Brandon, would, or like Brando, would be a better discount Carson. We've got D instead of Franny, which might not be a fair comparison, but... D's on route to surpassing Franny, I think, in likelihood of returning. How dare you? Franny got eighth place. If Dee yeah. survives next episode, she's had more screen time than Franny. That's true, but I I just really liked Franny. I feel like Franny, I had more fun with Franny, where Dee's more like a force of nature. That's how no, I would that, put it. <laughs> that's a fair comparison, yeah. Well, here's what I'll say, and I can say this because the person I'm talking about doesn't listen to the podcast. I'd rather go to an escape room with Franny because I'd be in the corner crying if Dee was in the escape room with me. No, that's fair. Honestly, they're two similar players, two challenge beasts that both enter showmances on their respective seasons. Yeah, except I think that uh, I think D is much more cutthroat in terms yeah. of her strategy. She's much more willing to put names out there and make the moves herself where Franny, uh, just because of her tribal stuff, wasn't quite in the same spot. Uh, let's go to winners and losers. Where do you want to start? I feel like we've started with losers a lot lately. Who is your winner? My winner is D. Uh, she's the head of the plan that knocks out Kendra. Kendra was actively targeting her earlier in the episode. And now D doesn't need to worry about that. Um, yep. This is her best strategic move on her resume so far. I think it's the main vote that she can go to a final tribal and say that she was the head of. I don't think this vote is as impressive as the Kelly vote. I think... That still is the most impressive move of the season, which was led by Drew. Yeah. So yeah. if I'm doing overall power rankings for the cast, I think I still had Drew number one and then D now at number two. But okay. overall, great episode by D. And I'm excited to see if she's able to keep these Reba members loyal to her um, next week. So that sets up well for my winner, who is Drew. Because I think oh. that while, while D took the lead on this move, Drew is the liaison to Emily, to Jake, potentially even to Bruce. I think Drew finds himself in the most powerful trio of players right now. And he's in good with both Austin and D. I think actually Austin's in a better position in that trio than Drew. Yes, but Drew's in a fine position. Like the trio is solid. Yeah. And I think when the cracks start to show, yes, Drew might be on the bottom. But he has the most other things. Emily is dying to, to work with him. Not a great look for Emily. But I think when the time comes, I think we're very close to a Reba, hopefully, shakeup. Hopefully it's not just Reba to the end. Drew, I think, has the best external relationships to come out on top. And so, and I think managing that relationship, managing the... Uh, Emily saying, oh, aren't we going Jake? And he's like, no, we're going Kendra and made it work. Yeah. I, so I like where he's at. I like where his head's at. And I like those couple subtle things he did this episode saying, 
calling himself a weakling, lowering his threat level, uh, starting to insinuate, hey, let's make some idle plays. Not his idols to play, but if he can get the group to do it, it'll work out in his favor. So, I also have a survivor term for you Good. that you can add to your repertoire that you kind of hinted at. Uh, there's a term that's called pagonging, which is essentially when you have a majority tribe in the post merge that votes out all the members of the minority. It's pretty boring gameplay, but that's something that is potentially on the board right now. Is that from a tribe called Pagong that went all the way and did that? It's from the tribe that was eliminated in the first season of Survivor because no one really knew how alliances work. One group got the numbers advantage and knocked out everybody uh, from the Pagong tribe. So that's a feather in your cap that you can add moving forward. I like it. Who's your loser? Loser, I feel kind of bad about because this is the third consecutive week that I'm giving this contestant the loser, but I'm giving it to Katura. Yeah. Kendra was a potential ally for her, a right. fellow Virgo girly, and she actively throws Kendra under the bus. You can make the argument that Katura is the primary reason that Kendra goes home this week. She sets that tone immediately. Yeah, she leaks the plan to the Reba majority. Yeah. So without that, I think there's a good chance that Jake goes home here. So it feels like Katura is actively maintaining her position on the bottom where she's trying to appease this Reba majority, and it's not really working. No one seems to want to work with her, and I just yeah. don't see a path forward for her. Like, there's other contestants that are on the bottom and not performing well, but they're not actively putting themselves there. Right. Yeah, yeah, that's fair. So who's your loser then? Uh, you know, I went back and forth on this one a lot. It, it's easy to say Jake. It's easy to say Katara for a whole lot of reasons. And... I think I, I'm going to agree with you. I think it is Katara because I said it from the start of this episode. She sets that tone. She betrays her old tribe. Here, Here's what it's like. It's like one of those Mario levels where you have to jump on the platforms that disappear as soon as you jump off of them. Yeah. It's like she jumps <laughs> off the Bellow platform and she's hoping the Reba one catches her. But she totally misjudges her job. She's not close with them. We don't get a single scrap of footage of Katara getting along with Austin, getting along with any of them. Uh, we don't see any social success from Katura. If she can uh, weasel her way in, though, then this is a great move for her. I just don't see that happening down the line. Who's who's your dishonorable mention? Uh, dishonorable mention to Jake, still positioned on the bottom, no allies, and the one person that I thought he could work with in Bruce is apparently willing to vote him out, too. Yeah. So... I said this earlier, but I think there's a good chance Jake is your zero-vote finalist of the season. I missed on this pick in 44. I said it would be Jamie, um, but I'll lock down Jake now. I'll say this. Jamie and Jake have a similar energy. The two of them have a similar vibe. So, I don't know. There's something about them. Maybe it's just that their names both start with J-A, and I'm biased <laughs> towards that. But um, I think that's fair. My honorable mention, gotta go to my boy Bruce. Keeping oh my, my fantasy team going. Did you update the scores this week, by the way? Am I? Am I? I think so. Uh, he's keeping me going in that category. I'm. Uh, he's my only guy left, and you know what? He's all I need. He's getting you solid points because every immunity challenge win, an individual challenge win, is worth two. So yeah, he's racking those up back to back weeks. I mean, shockingly, I am in. I'm in fourth place right now of six. And I have a substantial lead over Olivia and Tony. Not huge, but five points, four and a half points. Uh, I'm eight points ahead of you, bud. And Yeah, uh, but that's skewed because you get points for placement once people are voted out. So I'll get a big yeah. uh, point jump whenever Jake or Emily goes home. Yeah. And so, but for now, for now, Bruce, two wins, two challenge wins, two in a row, only one night where his... Uh, name could even come up at Tribal. That's pretty great. So, shout out to Bruce. And as a whole for fantasy, I'm doing better this season than I was last one. At Final 8, there's only two teams that have two contestants left, and it's uh, me and Maddie. That's great. First pick of the draft and last pick of the draft. Yeah, you better hope I don't win, dude, because if I win, I'm giving you the last pick next season. I'm telling you right now. I'll probably deserve it. But yeah, that's about everything I had. Anything else that you want to hit on? That's all I've got. I mean, uh, uh, happy Thanksgiving if you're listening to it on the holiday weekend, since this will go up tomorrow. Uh, thankful for all of you. Thankful for Survivor. Thank you for you, Clyde. 
Yeah, thankful for you and thankful for votes on Survivor. Maybe we can keep them all next week. You know what they should have done? Thinking about when this was going to air, they should have made it a rotisserie turkey. Oh, yeah. That would have been that really wholesome. Been timely. It would have been hilarious, too, because they'd be having uh, turkey and cranberry sauce in what, like June? Yeah. When it was on, actually filmed? On a tropical island. Yeah. They're just like the worst meat sweats of this horribly rich food. <laughs> oh, God. But, all right. Okay. Thanks Bye. for listening. Catch us next week. <laughs>